Hi, everybody. This is Valerie. And today I'm going to talk about my trip to the Soviet Union, the USSR, back in the mid-1970s. In the mid-70s, I was wanting to do some travel. I've always had a travel bug big time. And anytime anybody wanted to go for a car ride, I was always up for it. And I decided that I really wanted to take a vacation to someplace interesting, but I didn't have any money. I was working at, you know, this, this was, I, I don't know if there even was minimum wage then. I hadn't heard about it if there was, but I'm sure I worked below it. Um, but the company I was working for didn't have pay, but they, good pay, but they did have a credit union. And so I was trying to figure out how I could afford to take a trip. And the bookkeeper suggested that I join the credit union and take out a, a small loan and then hold it for 30 days and then pay it back, which would establish credit and give me enough to um, possibly apply for a loan for the larger amount. And I decided that I didn't want to go someplace typical like Spain or France or England. I wanted to go someplace more interesting and have an adventure. And I found an ad for this uh, professor at a local university who was taking some people to the Soviet Union. This was in the, like I said, in the mid 70s. So Brezhnev was president of the USSR at that time. And so I got the second loan and it was enough to cover my trip to the USSR. So I signed up for that, didn't know anybody on the trip. I just went by myself um, and met some of the people in the tour group when the plane, I was living in Orlando, Florida. So the plane went to J, JFK or LaGuardia uh, Airport in New York City. And I, that's where I met the other members of the tour group who were coming from other places. And we flew directly to um, Denmark, to Copenhagen, and then to Stockholm, Sweden, and then to Moscow. And um, that was that was a lot of jet lag because that was a 14 hour flight on a very cramped seat in the middle of a row of five seats. So there was no room to move and no way to sleep. Um, anyway, Moscow was interesting. It, was uh, there were a lot of rules. We were assigned a um, tour guide who was the Soviet, the Soviet assigned tour guide to watch us to make sure we didn't go astray, get into trouble. And she was with us the entire trip, every step of the way. And um, so from Moscow, we went to, I don't recall the exact um, series of events, but we went to St. Petersburg, um, Russia, and in, in Russia, and um, out in the country to a place called Rostov, I think it was, 
where the um, public restrooms were pits in the ground in the floor and you just stood over the hole in the floor and that was it that was that was it for plumbing um it was just kind of interesting uh, riding on buses through the countryside to go to different places i was really struck by the sight of people working um in fields very agrarian but they were using like um the wooden ox yokes um and some of them and they use something like that over their, their own shoulders to carry buckets of water uh, like these wooden yokes and um hand plows they were plowing the field with hand plows um very medieval i mean it looked it really felt like uh, i had just traveled back into the middle ages uh, not advanced at all um did go to see some fantastic museums the um the museum outside of moscow and one outside of in saint petersburg that were just lavish, absolutely opulent, um, with statues and paintings and all the stuff that belonged to the czars back in the day. Um, and they, they kept them, the communists kept them open for tourist um, travelers, um, I guess, you know, bringing in money. Also got to see the Bolshoi Ballet and the Moscow Circus. And the Bolshoi Ballet was, they did Swan Lake, I think it was. It was really, really beautiful. And we were told not to dress up because um, Russia wasn't a Soviet, I mean, wasn't a capitalist country. And so just wear regular plain clothes um, to go to the Bolshoi. Uh, no gowns, um, just like regular people. And the Moscow Circus was the same thing. It wasn't anything to dress up for. Um, what struck me about that was they played Pink Floyd's Dark of the Moon album uh, for the music behind all the acrobatic acts, and um, which was kind of cool. Um, then we took a um, flight Aeroflot was their national airline to the Ukraine and went to Odessa in, in the Ukraine and then took a, um, um, what do you call it, a uh, cruise ship, <laughs> cruise ship across the Black Sea at night to get to the country of Georgia to Sochi, which at that time was part of Georgia. Russia has confiscated it. Um, so it's no longer a part of Georgia. But at that time it was, it was the capital city of Georgia, the main, main place to go. But from Odessa in the Ukraine um, side, there was this um, young man he was identified to me as a dissident. Uh, he was a Georgian dissident. 
And he was trying to get to the United States. All he knew was Philadelphia, something about Philadelphia. But he didn't speak Russian. He didn't speak English. He spoke Georgian. Um, so uh, there was no actual communication. But, you know, you, you with body language and hand signals, you can kind of get the idea of what somebody's trying to tell you. And I was given a warning from the Soviet tour guide that if I was seeing him again, that she would not be responsible for whatever happened to me. The KGB was watching him. Um, I took this threat pretty seriously. Um, never had occasion to talk to him again anyway. Um, the, the crossing the Black Sea was at night, so couldn't see anything and got to Sochi the next morning and went to a beach, a black sand beach at, on Red Sea, um, where it was a place where Russians went to holiday, apparently, and went and saw some sites, um, notable landmarks and stuff around there. Flew back to Moscow, spent some more time there, and eventually flew back to the U.S. The whole trip was um, 28 days, I think it was, a um, little over three weeks. Anyway, um, so that was quite an adventure. When I got back to the States, um, I was changed. I had seen a lot, learned a lot. I'd been traveling with people who were educated, which at that time I was not. I hadn't gone to college, um, but they were smart. They were intelligent people. And I came back and went back to my job where people were like me, just, you know, had a high school education maybe, but that was it, if that. And I couldn't go back into that life mode. It was very, I went into a deep depression for a couple of months after the trip because it was just, I, I guess it's like, you know, if you, if you go to war and you see a whole lot of action and then you come back home and things are just real mundane and just nothing ever happens, it's hard to fit back in. Um, it was kind of like that, although I didn't get PTSD or anything. Anyway, end of story. What do you feel like the trip to Russia taught you? It opened my eyes to the importance of expanding awareness, um, learning about people that are not familiar to me or that are different from me. Um, I met a five-year-old child who spoke five languages. I mean, they're just incredible people. Um, and also, oh, uh, my initial interest in going to the Soviet Union was that um, growing up in the 60s, um, I was used to a lot of red, anti-red propaganda, anti-communist propaganda. And I even had a mandatory class in high school that was called Democracy Versus Communism. And 
the instructor would talk nonstop about, you know, the political differences. And for the most part, the entire class slept through it. I remember waking up and looking around and everyone had their head on their desk and he was still talking. He looked like the penguin from Batman. Anyway, I do remember one time when he was describing the differences and I raised my hand and asked, well, it sounds like in pure form, there's really no difference between democracy and communism. And he just smiled and saying, that's right. And in, th in theory, I mean, we don't have democracy any more than they have communism, you know, uh, in other states. Um, but in theory, there's really, they're really pretty equivalent, not, not a lot of difference between them. Um, so I wanted to go to the Soviet Union because I'd been hearing all this stuff about how how powerful they were and aggressive they were and evil they were and all these horrible things about them. And I wanted to basically kind of fact check it for myself to see if any of that was true. Um, so that was, that was my main kind of motivation for going and, and quest that I was on to find out if anything that I had been taught about the Soviet Union had any validity, if, any, if it was true. Um, they were nowhere near as advanced as I had been led to believe. Uh, it was still a very backward, uh, Russia, Georgia, Ukraine, all of them were still very backward. Um, I, they were trying to modernize as best they could, but it wasn't, they were obviously having challenges. I mean, in Odessa, they checked us into this fancy new huge luxury hotel with 16 floors and hundreds of rooms, but only one elevator. And I think I was on the 14th floor and it would take 45 minutes to get from the lobby up to the floor. I, I found that even with lugging a heavy, 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 oh, I didn't know how to pack back then. And it was a heavy Samsonite suitcase, lugging them up 14 stories. Um, I got up there quicker than taking the elevator. It was really um, pretty appalling. But, uh, but, you know, then there were niceties I've never, wanted to eat caviar, but we had caviar for dinner. Not very much, and at that time I wasn't vegetarian or vegan, I was, I was still eating meat. And the only meat that was available was some boiled chicken, it wasn't very good. Mainly what we had to subsist on was potatoes and cabbage. Um, and then caviar, it, it was kind of a weird mix. But I mean, and they were feeding the best they had. Um, there were oranges, which growing up in Florida, I was used to lush, big, juicy, sweet oranges. And these were little shriveled things with wrinkly um, rinds on them. And, I, and they'd had to import them from Morocco or someplace. You know? So it was, it was a delicacy, but it was one that they could ill afford and the common people didn't have access to them. They, were, they had state-run department stores and the better stores were for the tourist only. 
local people were not allowed to shop in them. And so there was a black market going on because local people, I remember somebody offering to pay me to buy an umbrella for them. Um, and there were, there were a couple of people on a trip who had brought suitcases full of blue jeans to sell on the black market um, in, in the Ukraine. They got off in Kiev. They didn't go on to Georgia. So I guess it worked out okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, when when we got into the Ukraine, they, they got they left the tour to go do their business. So I didn't see them again. And people used to tell me, travel when you're young, and that is such good advice. And I'm really glad I took it because you're you're able to do so much more and be a lot more resilient um, the younger you are. And um, I've, I've taken some amazing trips to different places, but um, and the Soviet Union was one of those trips. Um, it, it just, it broadens your horizons, it expands your mind. Uh, it, you know, you, you see things and talk, meet people that you just never have a the opportunity to otherwise, and um, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yes, uh, kind of an add-on to the Soviet Union story. Um, they assigned me a roommate because all the hotel rooms were double occupancy and had to have two people. And so they assigned me to be uh, roomed with a woman who had expressed that she didn't want anyone under the age of 25 to room with her. And so I assumed they assumed that she was all about, uh, about the age of 25. Eventually I found out she was only 18. I was older than her and I was maybe 19 or 20 at the time. Um, but I stayed in touch with her for a couple of years after we got back from the Soviet Union. And eventually um, I lost track of her, lost touch with her. And a few years ago, I was thinking about her and wondering what she was doing. And so I Googled her, uh, looked her up on the internet and up popped a bunch of articles about her. She had become uh, known as the DC Madam. She ran a high-priced, um, high-class call service, uh, an escort service that catered to congressmen and judges, um, high-powered people in Washington, DC. And at one point, she eventually got uh, busted and shut down and um, was sent to prison for a little while. Um, and that was, that was temporary. She got, got out because her case hadn't been settled entirely yet, but she did not want to go back to prison. And according to these news articles, and so she was facing many years and in, in additional years in prison and went home to see her family in Florida and supposedly committed suicide, um, which may or may not have been the case, but at any rate, she is no longer with us. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. I wonder what the trip to Soviet Union impacted her life, how that impacted things whenever she's 
helping escort these extremely Republican, anti-Soviet types, you know? I, I wonder what went through her mind. And I wonder if she actually did commit any kind of suicide. I've wondered that very often because considering the uh, sorts of people she was hobnobbing, associating with, um, she may have committed suicide to avoid going back to prison, or she may not have. I'm sure there were many people who didn't want their business with her disclosed. Um, so it's hard telling. I, I really don't know. As to. Yeah, many powerful people. That's the right, part. right, right. And people with ways of finding where she is and having the connections to deal with it. I honestly don't know what her motivation was in going to Russia, to Soviet Union. Um, it seemed to be just something different to do for her. I mean, that was kind of the case for you, and I'm sure a lot of people there, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just hope, uh, you know, it was a good ride while it lasted for her. Right, right. Be sure and check out um, the Trinity yeah. River Lookout, the webpage on Facebook, our Instagram, our Tumblr, our Twitter feed, and our Patreon. Um, we're serving the local community with local ads as well as global anarchist news.